You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. All right, let's take our Bibles, turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I hope your soul is anchored today. What a beautiful song. I'd like you to take the hymnal of the nation of Israel, the book of Psalms. And this morning I've entitled the message, Are You Limiting God? Psalm 78 is a marvelous song out of Israel's hymnal. And just to think that they sang this song to the Lord as it rehearses how God led the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, did amazing, wonderful works for them as they were on their way to the promised land, how that because of unbelief, that generation could not enter into the promised land, and then it runs us all the way up to the time when David, a man after God's own heart, was anointed king of Israel. It is a wonderful overview of about 436 years of Israel's history. I want to just pull out a few verses for us to consider here this morning from this passage, beginning with verse 32. For all this, for all this, what? All the amazing, wonderful things that God did by leading them out of bondage in Egypt and providing for them while they were in the wilderness. Think about that. Over four million people came out of Egypt and God took care, for the, care of them as they were in a desert land. That's an amazing thing to think about. The amount of food and the amount of water and all that would have had to gone into taking care of them. How their shoes never wore out. Their clothes did not wax old. God just took care of his people. Amazing. For all this they sinned still and believed not. Believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days he did consume in vanity. And their years in what? Trouble. You want to bring trouble into your life? Just don't believe in God. You'll bring a lot of trouble your way. Verse 36, Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. I thought about this as we come to our song service when we kind of flatter the Lord with the words that we sing, but we really don't mean them from our heart. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. Reminds me of they draw near unto me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. And they, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Oh, how I love Jesus, really? Verse 37, for their heart was not right with him. I wonder how many of your hearts today are right with God. 
for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Oh, we serve such a wonderful God. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh. O wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yea, they turned back, their backslidings. They turned back and tempted God. And here's the phrase I want us to focus on today. And limited and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand, nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would fill this poor preacher with Your Holy Spirit. May the power of Your Word transform lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. As I mentioned to you earlier, this is just a brief history of the nation of Israel taking us from their deliverance in Egypt all the way up to the anointing of David as king. I have a question. Can man... Can you and I limit God? The answer to that is obviously yes. If it is possible to limit God, and yes, it is possible, then how do we limit, think about that, how do we limit what this amazing, powerful, awesome, omnipotent God wants to do in our lives individually in our families, in our church, how, how do we limit this God from doing what he wants to do in and through our lives? How do we do that? Well, I think there are four ways. To me, this is one of those messages that will change your life. They will change our church. They will change the way that we live if we really take to heart what I'm going to share with you here today. I think there are four ways that we can limit God. Number one, we've already talked about it in the pre-service. We can limit God by having a lack of faith. And that lack of faith will actually hold God back from doing what he wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. There are numerous examples in scripture where individuals had a lack of faith, and that lack of faith limited God from doing what he wanted to do, not only in their lives, but in the lives of others through them. It is through us that God also wants to bring blessing into other people's lives. And so not only do we limit what God wants to do in our life, we also are limiting what God wants to do in others' lives through us. Are you with me in what I'm saying there? 
Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. A Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. Is there anything too hard for thee? The answer again to that is no. There's nothing too hard for the Lord to do and to accomplish. So this, this God who can do anything and everything wants to do so much more in my life and your life, but we limit him because of our lack of faith. Take your Bible with me and turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. I would like to give you just a a few examples in scripture how that a lack of faith limited God from doing what he wanted to do in individuals' lives. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. And he is sore vexed. Oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. This young man was suicidal. You could imagine this father was absolutely beside himself. He could not take his young boy anywhere without that young boy seeing a fire and jumping into it. Seeing water and trying to drown himself. Could you imagine that? I could only think that he kept that son very close to his side and kept him tethered. And now he comes to the Lord Jesus. He says in verse 16, I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, what's the next word? I can't hear you. What? Faithless. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. The reason this boy was doing this is because he was demon-possessed. I want to tell you something. Those demons are still around today, and they're still possessing folks. We just have a different label for it. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour instantaneously. Then the disciples... The, came to Jesus apart, very privately, threw Jesus to the side, and said, why could we not cast him out? You did it immediately. Why could we not cast this demon out of this young man? And Jesus said unto them, because of your what? They were limited. Or should I say they limited God from doing what God wanted to do through them and Jesus had to step in and do it himself. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye should say to this mountain, remove thence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. But he was limited. Go to Numbers chapter 13. 
I'm not even going to turn there to resist the temptation of spending more time there than I should. Numbers chapter 13. And we will spill over into chapter 14. You can turn there. I'm going to resist temptation. These are two of, I think, the greatest chapters in all the Bible. As a nation of Israel is on the verge of entering into the promised land, and Moses chooses 12 spies to go spy out the land. Remember the story? So he chooses one representative from each tribe, and he sends them into the promised land. As the, as the spies go into the promised land, they run headlong into walled cities, fortified cities, the people are mightier than them. They are well armed. And the sons of Anak are there. And they are giants. The spies say it is a land, just like Moses told us it would be, a land flowing with milk and honey. But there are giants in the land. And we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And they were absolutely paralyzed with fear they go back to give their report ten spies say it is impossible is there anything too hard for me and nothing shall be impossible unto you it is impossible and they give this the bible calls it an evil report to moses and then that spreads throughout all the people. The people then begin to tremble with fear. The Bible says that Caleb, there was two spies that gave a good report. Remember, one was Caleb, the other was Caleb and what? Caleb and Joshua. The Bible said Caleb tried to still the people and say, listen, we can overcome them. God promised us that land. This is not a problem. We can take them. But the report of the ten faithless spies was that which caused all of the people to disbelieve the promises of God. Hmm. What was God's response to the people's unbelief? God said, I'm going to destroy them all. I'm tired of it. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever get tired of people grumbling and complaining all the time? Come on, give me an amen there. Doesn't it just kind of get you down that every time you're around certain people, all they can do is complain and complain and complain and complain and murmur and murmur and murmur and murmur? Sometimes you just want to say, would you please shut up? Finally, God had had it. And God said, I am going to wipe out this unbelieving generation. And Moses falls on his face before God, and he prays and he intercedes on the behalf of the people. I'll tell you, Moses was an amazing leader. Had such compassion for his people that treated him so poorly. Here the people 
the Bible says, wanted to stone him for leading them out of Egypt and making this promise of this wonderful land. And they all had risen up to stone him. And he falls on his knees and he prays and God says, you know what? I am going to pardon the people because of you, Moses. And so God pardoned the people and he didn't destroy them, but they continued their murmuring and their complaining. And then God said, he said, you know what? They're not going in. They're not going into the land that I promised them. And God turned them back. Think about that. The lack of faith on their part brought unbelievable consequences in that it limited God. Are you all with me today? It limited God from doing an amazing thing and that was bringing them into a land flowing with milk and honey, giving them beautiful homes that they had not built, giving them farm fields that they had not tilled and had not planted, bringing them into an amazing, wonderful life and the whole generation for 40 years died off one after another, all except Joshua and Caleb and God said, you guys can go in. See, we have no idea how much our lack of faith in God limits him from doing what he wants to do in our lives. And what God wants to do is always a good thing. Hmm. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Let me give you another example. There are many. I actually spend the rest of the morning just looking at examples in Scripture of those who limited God through their unbelief. But here we come to Mark chapter 6. This is also recorded for us in Matthew chapter 13. Both of these accounts give us a little bit different take and fill in a little bit more detail for us, but I'm just going to look at Mark's account here. And this is how a lack of faith among the inhabitants of Nazareth hindered the Lord Jesus from doing some amazing, wonderful works in that city. Begin here in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country where he had been raised up, where he grew up. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and and Judah and Simeon are not his sisters here with us? His sisters still live here in Nazareth? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Now watch this. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. 
And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Why was the Lord Jesus limited in doing many wonderful, mighty works in Nazareth? Why? Unbelief. A lack of faith among those people. Both accounts make it very clear that because unbelief prevailed in the hearts of the people of Nazareth, Jesus was hindered. Think about this. Are you here? Think about this. Many left still sick, still lame, still blind, and still demon-possessed because they lack faith. Can I tell you something? That's tragic. That is absolutely tragic. But let me, listen, it's just as tragic when we limit what God wants to do in our lives as it was when we look back and see what God wanted to do here and how he couldn't. I, I, believe that, I believe we have no idea what God wants to do in our lives. And we just tie his hands. When we overcome our lack of faith and we really believe that God is God and we really start trusting him there's no limit to what God can do Jesus said unto him if if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth if you would just believe, if you would just put your faith in me, all things would be possible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. We have that chapter in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. You want to know, so I can tell right now, some of you are just not connecting. Some of you right now, you are, even though I'm saying these things and I'm giving you the scripture, you are still not believing it. You have unbelief just written all over your face. Let me tell you, God wants to do so much more in your life than you are allowing him to do. Why don't you just start trusting him? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know what? I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe it. You may look up here and say, you're so foolish, preacher. 
And so I'm, I'm telling you, this message spoke so deeply into my heart. I just said, God, I want you to do what you want to do in and through my life. I'm just going to believe you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Well, I'll tell you what, I want God to do some good things in my life. I want to be able to report, look what God has done, because I simply trusted him. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. We're going to come to that in a minute. You've got to believe that God is God. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then the chapter goes, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith Israel, by faith Rahab. And what shall I say the more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith not through their ability, not through man's ability, but through faith they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. The women received their, their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial, cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Really? They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. These all, having obtained a good report through faith. Wow. Let's just stop and talk about one of those individuals mentioned and that is Abraham called the father of faith maybe you remember back in Genesis chapter 18 when two men one being the angel of the Lord I believe that was a theophanies that that was the Lord Jesus himself appearing there to Abraham and Sarah is listening and it says and the Lord said unto Abraham Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh when she overheard the message of these two angels, one being the Lord Jesus? Why did she laugh? Because they said that she was going to bear a son in her old age. Say, how old was she? She was only 90. The last I knew, 90-year-old women don't have babies. 
You say, well, if she was 90, how old was Abraham? Just pushing 100, that's all. As far as I know, 100-year-old men don't father children. Yes or no? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, the Lord said, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah laughs. It's ridiculous. Abraham believes. The New Testament says, as it is written, Romans chapter 4, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God, he believed in God, who quickeneth the dead, brought to life his inability and her inability to have children, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, of the angel of the Lord, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not, didn't even consider his own body now dead. He didn't even consider it. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb he didn't even consider that he no longer could pass seed. And he, he didn't even consider that Sarah no longer had an egg in her womb. God just said, you're going to have a son. And he said, I believe it. The Bible said he staggered not. Some of you are staggering here this morning. God will never do that for really? He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised he was able to perform. Do you believe what God's promise he is able to perform? Really? Well, it's our lack of faith that limits God from doing amazing things in our lives. So how, seriously, it's five after twelve? You're staying here today because I ain't preaching to you for three more weeks. 
So how can we increase our faith? How many of you here would say you need more faith? Okay, me too. So how do we increase our faith, which would result in God demonstrating his power and his greatness and his might in our lives and in the lives of others? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 33, 1 through 3, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in prison. You ever notice that the men of God in the Bible were often in jail and in prison? Isn't that interesting? While he was in prison, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, established it. The Lord is his name. Call upon me. God said that to him while he was in prison. Call upon me and I will answer thee. Just call upon me. I'll answer thee. I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So how do we increase our faith to such a degree that God will show us, me and you, great and mighty things in our lives that we could never be doing. Number one, better write these down. Number one, you have to believe that God is God. You have to believe that God is God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made by things which do appear, but without faith it's impossible for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe that he's a God that is an omnipotent God, an all-powerful God, an almighty God, a God that can do all things? Do you believe that? And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and the voice of many thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. He is an omnipotent God. Wrap your heart and mind around that truth. O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which was and which is and which is to come. I am the Almighty God. We have to believe that He is God. Number two, we need to sit under sound biblical preaching and teaching. If you want your faith to increase, believe that God is God. Number two, make sure you're sitting underneath sound biblical preaching and teaching of the word of God. Get out there, dust off the car, start it up, get it warm, and get in church even if it's snowing. Hello? 
Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You would get your hind end out of bed and you would dust off your car and you would warm it up and you'd get it out there to get to work. Why would not you do the same to get into the house of the Lord to sit underneath good, sound, biblical preaching and teaching of the Word of God? Say, how is that going to help me in my faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want your faith to increase? You set your rump where it ought to be sitting on a Sunday. Get into the house of the Lord and listen to good biblical preaching. The Bible said it will, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, effectually work in you. It will have an effect in your life. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Grow in what? Grow in faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Believe that he is God and a rewarder of those who seek him. And get yourself where you ought to be on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Get in church. It'll also help if you spend time each day in God's Word. You want to increase your faith. Number three, ask God to increase it. Hmm, that's a novel idea. Ask God to increase it. Luke 17, 5, And the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. When is the last time you asked God to increase your faith so that he could do more of what he wants to do in and through your life? This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. Does he want you and I to have more faith? Yes, ask him for it. All right, I don't have to belabor that one, do I? Number four, you want to see your faith increase? Start taking some steps of faith. Just start taking some steps. Just start taking some baby steps. Remember that passage we read? Faith as a grain of a what? It says, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Very, very tiny. You see it in your spice cupboard. Very, very small. If I had it up here today and I held it, you couldn't even see it from where you're sitting. Joe, probably you couldn't even see it. Which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown. You know what happens to faith? You start acting upon faith, your faith will grow. When it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. You know why some of you don't have more faith? It's because you won't even step out in faith in just the little things like, listen to this one, tithing. Jesus said, or God said this in Malachi, prove me with this. Put, me to, put your faith to the test. Prove me with this. You bring your tithes and your offerings and you see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. Some of you are still sitting there going, 
or our faith, our lack of it, will limit what God wants to do in our lives. You want more faith? Believe that he's God. Get into church and sit under the sound preaching and teaching of the word of God. Ask God to increase your faith and start taking just some baby steps and trusting him. Number two, our lack of faith will hinder the Lord. Number two, our lack of obedience to the word of God, to the commands of Christ will limit what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. There's a prophet by the name of Hanani. And Hanani confronts King Asa, king of Judah. Now, King Asa was a pretty decent king for quite a long period of time, but then he stumbled in his faith. And when he was threatened, the Bible said he went and instead of seeking the Lord and trusting in the Lord to deliver him from his enemies, the Bible said he sought out the king of Syria, a pagan ungodly king, and he makes an alliance with the king of Syria. Now listen, Hanani confronts him. He said, for the eyes of the Lord, Hanani, this is Hanani talking to Asa. Hanani said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. And then he says this, the prophet says to the king, herein thou hast done foolishly. You did a stupid thing. Instead of seeking the Lord and consulting the Lord and asking the Lord for deliverance, you sought out the wicked king of Syria. You did very foolishly. He said, therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the prophet and put him in the prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. You know, I thought, I'm in pretty good company then when folks get mad at me. Could you imagine here the prophet of God was telling the king exactly what he needed to hear in order that God would not be limited in doing an amazing thing, and that was delivering Judah from their enemy. And because the king did not obey the Lord, he had nothing but wars. And then you'll find out something else about him that he got diseased in his feet and his feet began to rot. Probably had diabetes. His feet began to rot. And that rottenness just began to move up his leg. Could you imagine what a way to die? And the Bible says this. Instead of seeking the Lord for healing, he sought the physicians. So boy, does that not sound like us? And he died because the rottenness in his feet moved all the way up his leg and finally killed him. Can you imagine a more painful way to die? And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him 
because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Listen, I'm about ready to have you turn on that air. I'm telling you people, I want you to stay with me today. I am dead serious about what I'm preaching to today. You get a hold of this. You keep your eyes open. You stay awake. You really believe what God is saying. There's not a mistake you're here today. God will do some amazing, wonderful, unbelievable things in your life. We limit him through a lack of faith. We limit him by simply just not being obedient. Number three. Our lack of prayer. Our lack of prayer can limit what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. Ask and it what? Seek and ye knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and to him who seeks, he'll find. And to him that knocks, it will be open. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Call unto me and I will, what? Show thee great and mighty things. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which is in secret shall what? Reward thee, what? Openly reward thee openly. Do amazing, wonderful things in your life. Everyone else will see it. Our lack of faith limits him. Our disobedience limits him. The fact that we're not praying as we should, that limits him. There's one last thing that will be done is our sin. Our sin can limit what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. Let's go back to our text. We'll end where we started, back in Psalm 78. An unclean life. Will limit what God wants to do in and through your life. Harboring sin in your heart, it's going to limit God. It'll limit him from answering your prayers and showing himself strong on your behalf. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But, hello, look up here. 
but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Jeremiah 5.25, your iniquities, what a, what, a, what a verse, short verse, but what a verse. But your iniquities have turned away these things. What things? The blessings of God. Your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins, li listen to this, have withholden good things from you. Your sin, my sin, has withheld the good things <laughs> that God wants to do it and through my life. It's amazing. Our lack of faith, our disobedience, the fact that we're just not praying, sin that we're harboring in our heart. Listen to this quote. I heard this just a couple weeks ago. God will fill, this is powerful. God will fill and empower us with the Holy Spirit, even though we may be a small vessel, a large vessel, a twisted vessel, a young vessel, an old vessel, an educated vessel, an uneducated vessel, but God will never fill a dirty vessel. Psalm 78. Why was the nation limited from going into this amazing, wonderful, prepared land of promise. Verse 8. And might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Verse 10. They kept not the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his ways. Verse 17. They sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Verse 19. Yea, they spake against God. Verse 22. They believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Verse 32, for all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Verse 36, neither, nevertheless they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. Verse 37, for their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Verse 56, yet they tempted and provoked the Most High and kept not his testimonies. Someone said, we need to remember that even a broken vessel will stay full if it's kept under the fountain. I trust today 
that your vessel's broken. I trust today that your heart is is broken. That you will see that limiting God in and of itself is a sin against a holy God who so wants to do so much more than I am allowing him to do in my life and that you're allowing him to do in your life. Let's replace our lack of faith with faith. Our disobedience with obedience. Our no praying with praying. And our sinful living with holy living. You do those things. You're going to be able, within a very short period of time, to sit back and say, what amazing things the Lord has done for me. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.